right, all right. Hey, Google, play Kendrick Lamar Humble. She got it. Here it is on Spotify. There you go. Okay. Woo! All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all know how we do. We just got to get things started real quick. You know, get the vibe right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to tap in. Just get the energy right. You know what I'm saying? There ain't nobody getting the L.A. energy better than Kendrick. Let's just call it what it is. You know what I'm saying? Let's call it what it is. Okay, okay. Let me shut that down before they, before they flag the video. Hello, world. Hello, America. Hello, you. It is your new best friend, Kashmir, California. And this is the Pod is Good podcast. This is episode 18. Let's go. Episode 18, Pod is Good. And all the time, if you know, you know, if you don't keep listening, you'll find out. We got another great show for y'all today. I'm super excited. Super, super excited. The conversation is going to go in a lot of directions. It's going to go in a lot of directions. But if you are into entrepreneurship, if you are into doing it yourself, if you are into building your own empire, if you are into empowerment, between black people, if you are into dream seeking, you in the right place. You in the right place. Welcome. Welcome. You could have been anywhere in here, in the, anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Make sure you tap into the chat. You know, stay focused, listen, take notes, whatever you got to do. You got a question from my guest or myself. Go ahead and put it in the chat. We'll be uh, uh, obliged to take on all questions and comments. Um, we appreciate it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I want to get into this episode. Episode 18. Wow. What's really going on, Marvin Gaye? What's, really, what's going on? I'm telling you, 18? We in here. We in here. I'm feeling something today. I'm feeling, I don't know about the number 18. Maybe it's because that's when, you know, you break up out the house. You know, you so you, you know, the, the hair on your chest means something now because, you know, you get your own plus for your own spot. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling something about this 18th episode today. I don't know. We're going to find out if I was onto something or if I was wilding out. All right, let's just, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, a new friend of mine that, I met in a very interesting way. I think I'm going to save that because it's a really cool story that a lot of you may be interested in. So I'll save that until he's here in the studio. But I got to let you know, this guy, the moment I met him, you know, we, we kicked it off joking. Y'all know how we do. You know what I'm saying? We we joking and making fun of stuff. You know how I go. And, and immediately we link. We talk, start talking business. Start telling about, you know, endeavors he's got going on, creations he's coming up with, showing me photos of them putting there. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay. Okay, bro. Okay, slow down. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Okay. And so so after we began the Pod is Good podcast, I was like, there's certain people that I have to make sure make it on the show within the first 25 episodes. 
this gentleman made it on episode 18. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the studio, my man, Chris Thomas. What's good with you? What's good? What's I, good, James? How you feeling, family? Feeling good, man. Feeling motivated, as usual, man. You know, yes, sir. Working hard, trying to trying to keep that mind state. You yeah, know, man. moving to the right direction at all times. You know what I mean? That's the hey, of, you, you hit it on the head. That's the hardest part. Keeping yeah, the mindset. Keeping the mind state through the garbage, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Through the mess, still still keeping that that you know, that forward mind state, you know? Yeah, you at know? all at all times. All right, let's first get into as I kind of alluded in the introduction, how and where we met. Yeah, Me and my man Chris met way out in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> way out in the middle of the ocean, man. Shout out way to out Ranger there. 85. We on the Ranger 85 fishing boat. Shout out to Channel Islands. Shout out to Channel yeah. Islands. We out there deep sea fishing. Yo, was that yeah, your buddy. first time? Nah, man. Nah, man. I go, I go once, twice a year, man. We go. Oh, nice. And it's deep sea fishing. Like, not only is it deep down, but you deep out there, deep. right? We get on the boat at 10 p.m. Right, right. The, the boat travels until 6 a.m. All the way out into where, you know, you can't see anything. You know what I'm saying? And if, it, if and nobody's it, ever been on a ship that's going out into the ocean, you don't understand how far. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A eight hour boat road, boat ride is. I mean, yeah, man. It's deep. You don't see nothing. By the time you get out there, it's just nothing. You you wake yeah, up to just blue. You see, like you think, like damn, they they navigated by the stars. But when you out there, you're like, what else is you going exactly? Fan, there's nothing. There's nothing. What? Nothing. How else would you navigate, man? Right. If not. By the stars, you know, and not by yes. the stars, which is a crazy out there. But see that that's the beauty of God, though. It's like God gave us the stars and didn't move them around. Like he could have did a whole other <laughs> design yeah. and yeah, yeah. the stars in a different spot. You really would have been thrown off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have been it'd have been a whole lot of non-discovering. It'd have just been a whole lot of lost at sea. You know what I mean? For real. But yeah, that's man. Yeah, so I love really, going out there though. You go twice, once or twice every year. That was my, that was my third time going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Rice charters the boat. Yes, sir. Mr. Rice is a, he's my mom's husband. You know what I'm saying? I still call him okay. Mr. Rice. I respect him. Yeah, that's that's my step pops. You know, so respect, respect. he's a, you know, he's a, a, a franchiser. Yep, a, yep. A Popeye's chicken franchiser. So yeah. You know, he's living that life that a lot of us want to have around that age. He's able to charter a boat, right? you know, uh, uh, get all his homies from, you know, church to the business associates, his accountants, which is a smart way. Hey, everybody, come on out. Business. He's like, all right, all like my accountant, get on the boat. My, you know, my this person, get on the boat. And it's like right. his way of relaxing and really saying and, and, and low-key fellowshipping in. Yeah, it's also his way of thanking all his business associates. He gives them an experience. Some of them never went fishing. Some of them are avid fishermen, and like exactly. I think it's a smart Super. way to you know what I'm saying 
to to uh, it's a smart way to tighten the relationships yeah. that you've built over yeah. those years. So I'm definitely gonna take a page out of that book, you know. Dude, and, uh, I remember and when um, when the L.A. Clippers uh, corporate office called me about getting um, like box seats. Um, yeah. I forgot how they call it in the in the Staples Center. Um, yeah, well, yeah. It used to be the Staples Center. Um, yeah. But that was what they talked about. Like, you know, if you have clients, you know, your big clients that are big spenders, you know, you can give them tickets to go to a game that maybe you weren't going to go to. You know right. what I'm saying? Hey, take your wife, right. take your, you know, take your son over to the game, blah, blah, blah. It helps build that relationship. Yeah. The way, the yeah, way, the way um, Ed is doing it is on another level because he's out there with you. Yeah. And, and it's a full on, it, it ain't. You're way more integrated in the moment than just going to a game, sitting there watching. You out there trying to catch fish, you celebrating. Everybody, everybody catches something. Yeah, everybody catches everybody multiple catches. things because right. you know they hungry, and, and these ain't no, you know, it's not like fishing in the lake. Right. You drop down your reel. You put on the heaviest weights possible. Right. Twelve ounce, sixteen yep. ounce. You drop that thing all the way to the bottom. It might take your whole. You might take your whole, you know, reel all the way down there. Right. And then, uh, yeah, you, you hang out there for a few minutes and something biting, it'll be a, it could be a red snapper. It True. could be a barracuda. True. First time we went, first time we went, uh, first time I went, it was barracudas. Mm. And barracudas don't make for good eating for some people. I'll eat it. I'll eat anything I catch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll catch a squirrel. It's just that man. Right. Hey, you you want to feel that, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. That energy, and so uh, first thing I first thing we did was catch barracudas. That he took a steel line, and this was first time I've seen this. But avid fishermen know about this. There's like a steel line that you tie onto your regular line because the barracudas got long, sharp teeth, and they'll bite right through your line. And you drop it down, and they're so aggressive, and they're all huge. They're all you know, three feet, four feet, you know, uh, three, yeah, three or four feet. So it's a fight. Wow, even yeah, if you yeah. don't eat them, if you even if you don't eat them, you get to experience the 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 fighting of fishing. You know what I mean? That yeah. that comes in. So that was my first experience, man. As soon as I dropped that thing, I got a bite. I'm mm. I'm reeling it up. My first catch ever is like a three foot sharp two barracuda. Now the funniest thing about catching those is that. Remember, this is my first time. When I got on the boat, everybody had like a little bludgeoning tool. Like, mm. oh. like some some of some people had a little baseball, like the little Dodger bats yeah. back in oh, the yeah, day. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this big. Uh the homie had a <laughs> the homie had a leather, like a leather sack with a lead ball in it, which he called it the blopper, but that's like what, what people used to use <laughs> like in mob days in the 20s. You know what I mean? It's like a Dude, leather stick. And it had a lead ball in it, and that's what like old mobsters used to used to beat people with. They just walk up with the leather thing. Oh, it's worse than like a sack of nickels. You know what I mean? It's a oh, lead yeah. ball and a leather patch. And I didn't know this, but when the fish come up, when you reel it up, and you call for the gap, the gaffer reaches the stick down, catches the fish, throws it on top of the boat. Yeah. You got to get your line back, but their teeth are razor sharp, so mm -hmm. you have to bludgeon. You have to bludgeon the fish. Once you already get them on the on the dock, you gotta bludgeon them. You gotta kill it then, again. Yeah, you gotta kill it and then take out your reel. So it was the funniest thing watching a bunch of uh, watching a bunch of men from L.A. from the seventies and eighties. Whenever a fish 
uh, jump up. You see, even just for fun, you see about three of them come over. Block, block, block. <laughs> Kick them, stop them. <laughs> they jump on some fish. old gangbangers. They start jumping the fish, bro. It's on some old gangbangers. So it's funny to watch your church beacon uh, uh, oh. run over there and stomp out a barracuda for you. To help you get your line back. Oh, I need to see that. I need to see that. That is too. And then everybody's creative with their tools. You know, you can just stop them out, but it's slippery. You might bust your ass on the boat. So everybody had their special little tool. That was what was uh, funny to me watching, you know, uh, listening to the old pastor. Like, yeah, I I, I, I use this leather blopper. You know what I'm saying? I used to blop them when when you hit the deck, bro. So that was my first time fishing with him. And I caught like 12, 12 of those. Wow. So the minute you drop it, bro, yeah. they're so aggressive. The minute you drop it, bite. Bite, you get it up, boom. Beat them down, get your line back, <laughs> drop it in, snatch them up. Beat them down. Throw them. Four, five, four, five people come in, stop them out, take your line back. So I, after I went fishing with them on Ranger 85 out of the Channel Islands with Mr. Rice, you know, and he brings like oh, 34, God, 35 of his friends. You could bring a friend. Oh, he, yeah. does it, he does it every couple. Uh, he does those trips uh, every few months for uh, for himself. And then he also uh, does like fishing trips to Mexico and stuff. But that one that me and you go on, that's a that's a, yeah. that's an annual thing. That's that's fun. I look forward yeah. to it every year. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I love it. I'm, we were just talking about, uh, me and a couple of my homies were talking about going for uh, one of the half day trips they have out here in San Diego. Yeah, you got yeah. good good eating out there. They be catching, you know, yeah. yellowfin and bluefin, yeah. all kinds of uh, dorado, and like yeah, I got to get over there too. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a fisherman exactly after that, but after going with them a few times, I have to, you know, teach a couple of things. That yeah. that was good for me as a man. It's something I've always wanted to do was be an actual, you know. I couldn't have that conversation with those guys at the bar, you know, talking about talking about the fishing stories. That's uh, true. You know, but uh, now I can't, you know. It's it's a fun time, man. I really encourage is. all of y'all to just go with your boys or charter, you know, or or, or um, you don't got to charter the whole boat. It costs you like 160 bucks total, right? You pay for your license. You can rent a reel. You can rent everything. Y'all just go out there in the deep sea, have a few drinks, you know, smoke cigars, whatever you want to do, play some music, and go down there and do some deep sea fishing. It's different from the lake. It's a lot of action. It's a lot oh, of hilarious. People understand. If you ain't been a lot of stories. Deep sea fishing is fishing. Lake fishing yeah. is hoping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're guaranteed yeah. to come home with fish, deep sea fishing. There's no question. Now yeah. you may not get the biggest fish on the boat. You may not get the the specific type of fish you wanted, but you gonna catch fish. You are gonna catch you some fish. Period. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it just ain't no way around it. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you are gonna catch somebody else hook. You gonna right. catch something. You know what I'm saying? It's about thirty forty of y'all on the boat. So right, right. It's a fun time, man. Okay, I, yeah, I, I advise anybody to do it. Real quick, I can, I can hear me. Okay. Back in like your echo. Like, like from your side, when I talk, I can hear it. So I don't know if All there's right. anything you can adjust to to kill that, but I do I do hear it. You can hear yourself uh, through my line. Right. 
that well, was it like that uh, early on? Has it been like that the I whole time? I couldn't tell. I wasn't like picking it up before, so I don't know if, it, if you changed the volume or anything. But yeah, I yeah, kind of hear a little bit. Okay, let me uh, let me make this adjustment real quick. All right. um, now, uh, let's see. Let's see. Settings. Yeah, man, that fish. I'm gonna turn my mic off and turn it right back on real quick. Okay, all good, all good. I will uh, charm everyone with continuing stories of what it's like fishing because real the the true anglers out there, and, and I'm not professing to be one by far. Uh, though I've you know caught a fair share, I'm still learning. Right, I'm still learning. I got a new starist, a real. I got the name of my uh, the rod that I bought, so I just finally invested in my first little setup. I was like, I, I'm not going all in to where you know some people have uh, one rig for you know 20 to 35 pounds, and another one from 40 to 60 pounds, another rig from 65 to 80, you know, and they, and they come out there with three, four poles ready, all of them in the water. And all of them catching. I told I told the person at um at what was it? I think it was was it Turner's? I can't remember. Whatever wherever I went to go get my rig, I'm like, give me something that's from like 20 pounds to 140 pounds. <laughs> just, <laughs> just cover the spread. I don't I don't necessarily need a, a different reel for every fit. I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. Maybe I'll get there, uh, but I ain't there yet. Um, I'll say that that trip that you and I went on. It will will go down until I catch this fish. It will yeah. go down as one of those moments that you hear fishermen talk about for years about the one that they that got away, right? Yeah. Because that trip, I had the one that got away. So we finally pulled up. They kept telling me, I was like, "Yo, I want to catch one of the, um, I want to catch a sea bass." Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what we want. want. I want. That's what we all bass. want. Right. They yeah. were like, "All right, here's the here's the key. You gotta get up early. You yeah. gotta get up early, like like four or five, like as soon as you can. You gotta get out there." I'm like, "Bet." I barely slept that night. I, matter of fact, I, I accidentally woke up at like 1:15, and I thought it was time because the boat was stopped. Yeah, I was like, oh, "Oh, I'm in there." I got up, threw my stuff on, went outside. I'm like, "Oh, they were just they were getting bait." Yeah, they were chumming. I was out there at that time. I was chumming. I was out there. Okay. And I saw them chumming the water. I thought the same thing. I got up and went out there. I thought I saw tough. them out there chumming the water. Yeah, they was getting they was getting bait. They were right. down there like just snatching them up with nets. Right. Like, That's how you do it. All That's right. It. You find the spot, you snatch them up. You don't gotta buy it. You, you know, they get a bunch it. of squid, they just went in with the net, pulled up a bunch of squid, threw it in at the and squid is is what is the bait. Hands down. You deep sea fishing, you want squid. Squid is it? Hands down, right? Chop squid, chopped up squid, live squid. Done. Yeah, I didn't know all this. That's a city boy. That's like a lunchable to them. You know what I'm saying? That's like a city boy. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know none of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so. Can you hear me okay now? Yep, I hear you. Okay. I'm still getting the. I'm still getting the feedback from me. I don't know if it's picking it up in the recording. Most likely it is. If I can hear it. Then most likely it'll be in the recording, but I can't hear it though. I hear you fine. Okay. So, um, yes, yeah, it's just like a delayed 
uh, reverb. We're gonna let it go, let it rock. If it's bothering anybody, we apologize. You know what, we're, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What we gonna do? Um, Maybe okay, I so can uh, go off and come back in. Should we do that, or what do you think? No, nah, what do you good. think? I think okay, good. 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 I hear you. At the end of the day, they can hear you. I want them to, yeah, you know, yeah. as long as, as long as we're audible, we we good. Um, All right. So yeah. So then around four. 15 or so, I wake up again. Boat is stopped. I'm like, it's on. I head out. I look around. We stopped. I'm going to sit one person, no, two people out there. Ed, of course, one of them. Yeah. Boom, line in the water. I'm on it. Ed already drunk. Already drunk. 415. I'm on it. I'm sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Maybe a good 35 minutes. It, was, it, took, it takes longer in the morning. It takes long. It took we didn't. There weren't nearly as many catches in the four o'clock hour, but they were bigger catches. The but, but the volume happened later on in the day. But those were you know much smaller. Yeah. I catch something, right? And I'm pulling on it, and I'm like, oh, they told me sea bass have really small mouths, and they have soft mouths. So don't pull. Don't try to set the hook. Oh, that's what the art is. Yeah. What, what those that don't that don't know this, you know, anglers know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but for the newbies, most fish, once you get the hook in their mouth, you can you'll kind of feel the 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 activity and you know in the rod, and you can kind of pull back, and it'll set the hook in in that cheek, and so they they won't go anywhere. They can swim all they want, but the hook ain't coming out. With a sea bass, it has a much smaller mouth. So they said if you pull and try to set the hook, you might rip their mouth out. Which which yeah, sounds yeah, like a terrible way to live. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just just disrespectful. Or, <laughs> yeah, you might have just get eaten with it and not have no mouth. <laughs> right. Walk around. Maybe you're swimming up to the top, like, hey man, hey, take yeah. me. Gap Come on, me. man. Yeah, just gap me, man. <laughs> but yeah. um, but one of the um what do they call them? One of the 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 helpers, I can't think of the names right now. Um, yeah, yeah. But deck, yeah, one, one, deck one of the deckhands. Thank you. They came over, and he was like, "Oh, oh let, 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 me, let me get it for you. Let me get it for you." So he takes it and gives me another one because he also has one, and he doesn't. I don't think he realizes that I have one already. So he's like trying to help out. He's like, "Oh, I got one. Here, take it. I'll take yours." I'm like, "No, but I think I got one too." He's like, "No, no, no. Come on, switch." I'm like, "All right, whatever." So I go yeah. over to his. As soon as I grab his, I'm like. Dude, there's nothing on that. He, right. he, now he's over there with mine, and you see the rod bending down. I'm like, oh, 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 oh yep, no. yep, it's up, it's up. We got, nah. it. we got. I'm about to go back to bed. I'm going back to yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can relax. He's pulling, and I'm, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, hold on, he's doing what they told me not to do. Like they told me, oh, he's pulling. Yeah, they told me once you feel it, um, just, just kind of lightly pull, just so you can know it's there. But let it go. Yeah, let it yeah, like tire yeah. itself out, and then slowly and easily like pull, start to pull it back in. Yeah, He's man. like pulling, pulling the nah, bending, bending over, and next thing I know, he's like, "Ah, oh, lost." Oh nah, bro, that's like the prize fish there. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that fish, sea bass. Everybody. Could... That's a lot of them. The whole trip is worth it. If they don't catch nothing but one sea, for some reason, I don't know. Some reason, though, that's the prize is the sea bass. 
You know what it and is. You would have been the dude. You'd have been the I first been one. Only three people. Only three people. <laughs> only three and people caught sea bass on that whole trip. Thirty something people on the boat. You know what I'm saying? And that was Everybody, and that would have been the first catch. Nobody else had caught yeah. anything yet. Yeah, so I'd, have caught, yeah. I'd have caught the first catch. Who knows how the size? Because you know when you're out there, everything feel like something until you get it yeah. up. You kind of don't really know. That, yeah. you, know, you get to that deep water, you drop a 16 pound weight. If the current hit it right, you think you, you got something. You, yeah, you think you got something. <laughs> you'll pull chop squid and a weight all the way back up to the top, and that's all you got. But man, yeah, and, it, and it's worth pulling it all the way up. Yeah, man. I'm sorry to hear that that's story. The one that that's got brutal, away. bro. That is brutal. That's rough, yeah. man. That's so, damn near rougher know, than a woman that got away. You know, damn near rough. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. All right, Chris, let's get into it, man. That's a you know our introduction of how we met. Just wanted to bring everybody else into the story. We met deep sea fishing, deep deep into the Channel Islands, way out in the Pacific Ocean. If you haven't been, you need to go. If you've been before, you already know. Yeah. Everybody came home with 12, 13 fish. Just what it is. This yeah, is what man. it is. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful time, great camaraderie, great conversation, and you get a chance to meet great people. So, Chris, let's get it's into sad. your story. Tell me, tell me how it all began, brother. You mean like uh, I was uh, once a toddler type once of a toddler. situation? I was once well, a toddler listening to Rakim. <laughs> <laughs> Rakim said, check out my melody, and I was like, yo. <laughs> Man, I was um, so uh, like most black folks who is anywhere in America, you know, I'm come from the South or your family come from the South. Yes, sir. Born in Alabama. I was born in Coy, Alabama. Coy, Alabama. I'm, Shout out to uh, Coy. The most country, smallest town in America, like Forest County in America, Wilcox County, Alabama. And I was in, uh, in a house in like a tin with a tin roof. Like the house is so small. I'm only 6'2". I got a duck to get under the doors, wow. you know. And mom's is like one of seven children, grew up on the farm. And then she, when I was one, she moved right to L.A., moved right to the jungles, <laughs> which has got to be wild for a country woman and a yeah. young son to move from deep woods, Wilcox County, Alabama, Right into the jungle right in the eighties. That like had to be culture shock. Yeah, man. So uh it had to be culture shock for her. Yeah, man. So uh so we so we did that and, and since then, you know, I've been in LA since then. Shut up. Sorry. Been in LA since then and um and yeah, man, grew up in uh Inglewood. Uh and uh what? Yeah, yeah, we, we lived in Inglewood for a while, uh, all within like a one mile radius. Uh, oh. So like Inglewood and uh, 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 like Westchester area, right by the airport. Pretty much grew up with always within like four or five miles of the airport at LAX. So growing you know? up in Inglewood, how do you feel now when you go back to the city that you grew up in? Or I mean, I don't know if you there still, but. Looking around at how much different the city is, because because Inglewood has has taken one heck of a makeover, bro. Yeah, yeah, it has, man. And um, it's interesting, right? Because part part of that uh, part of my life was in Ladera. Uh, mm. I don't. For those who don't really know, 
Ladera Heights is considered a uh, higher end black neighborhood. Yeah, right. Well, so if you do the yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So if you do the numbers, it's like like I looked at it a while back, and out of the ten top black neighborhoods, it's based on income, right? Mm. Seven of them were in Maryland or near right around Washington D.C. Okay. Right. Okay. But then the other three was this area in L.A. of Slauson and, uh, you know, right where Nip's talking about. It's yep. just above Correct. that, Slauson in between La Cienega and Crenshaw, right? It's an area called Baldwin Hills or Windsor Hills and Ladera. And together, that area, the, the property values there are the highest yep. in, um, in the nation as far as black neighborhoods go. The income Crazy. was is about eighty thousand a year for those cities in Maryland, but as far as property value goes, it's L.A. So, you know, a house that's you know a three bedroom, two bathroom house that's in um, L.A. Yeah, uh, it you know it, in this neighborhood is two million, whereas the same house is found in any other area for a hundred and twenty. You know, two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? So the value of that area, the value, the property values are, are, are pretty high up. But comparatively, it's extra regular. But I'm like, you know what I mean? So, but uh, for, for you, sorry to cut you off, but you you said that your mom moved you when you were one, right? Right. From from Alabama all the way to to the Jays. to the jungle, right? Yeah, then to Inglewood, then to Inglewood, and then to Ladera. And then to Ladera. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. We got to hear how mom did it because mom did it. Mom's a hustler, crazy. bro. Shout out yeah. to moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's still a hustler. Like, wow. most people, when they think of their mothers, they have an image of her in the mind. You think of, you think of your mother, it might be her cooking. It might yeah. be her, you know, hugging you tight. My image is mom's at the computer at 2 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or at the typewriter back then. I'm ah, yeah. gonna date myself, but <laughs> she's always working, you know, at two AM um, and it was awesome. just her. Yeah, she she got into real estate appraisal and then became a, a you know, so she was always working, writing reports nice. at uh you know, at two AM. And so that neighborhood was a black neighborhood, right? Where you yeah. see and you see like off brand celebrities, right? Like, you know, you wouldn't see Magic Johnson, but you'll see Eldon Campbell, you know, yeah, driving yeah. down the street, right? You right, you're not gonna see right. the, you know, you're not gonna see uh, you know, the top player, but you'll see like third string Clippers, point guard yeah, or some yeah, Danny yeah. Young or like Gary Grant. You'll see Gary Grant, Mark Jackson. You'll right. see Mark Jackson driving <laughs> down Mark the street. Jackson. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But right. what's funny is that now, so and that neighborhood sits on the hill. There's an amazing view. Yeah. Now. You know, the, they're integrated. You know, it's not so much a black neighborhood anymore. You know, oh, really? uh, that's what's interesting. Yeah, because you know that's a point of pride for black folks in LA is that this little area right in the middle of the city and the only hill in the middle of the city. Right. So from this point, if you look north, you see all of Hollywood and the Hollywood yeah. sign. If you look east, you see all of downtown. And if you look south, the view goes down. You see LAX all the way down to Palos Verdes, right? And that's yeah. the only point in the middle of the city that is like that with those views. And yeah. it's all black neighborhoods, right? Which is fine. Uh, yep. Definitely. Right, right. But now, you know, they moseying on in there. Because I, I heard an older white guy one time. 
Yeah, I heard an older white dude talk about it. And he tried to say he he tried to stop himself when he said it. He was like, "Oh, what area is that? Oh, that's that area." Like, yeah, it would be a great place, but you know, and I'm thinking like, "But what? It's a great place. The houses is nice. Everything's right. custom." But you know, right. he was about to say, you know, but, but you for know. the Negroes, right? But now, for one, them now, I would give it to him if he had said it would be great if, because you know, depending on how you go into Ladera. You might come through the jungle, so yeah. On, depending on the direction you, what street you came in on, yeah, 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 it's yeah, gonna yeah. look like uh, poverty, poverty, so like poverty. right? Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, oh, views to Hollywood, like, yeah, views to Hollywood, nice, crazy, you know, hills. That's yeah. what's that's what's uh, sought after in LA in the real estate market. It's views, you know, view of the beach, view of the city. It's the views that that drive the prices, right? Uh, but it's interesting to see now, especially right there, right where Nip is from, right? Uh, you know, uh, 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 Slauson and Overhill, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> them houses too, man. You yeah. know, 800,000, yeah. 900,000, yeah. 700,000, and uh, gang too, still, you know. But um, yeah, man, you go in that area now, you know, it's it's what you see white folks walking down the street. You sometimes see white folks walking through in the jungles nowadays. It's not what it it's, was. It's wild. It's yeah, it's a man. wild it's scene to, to see even different dogs. Yeah. It's like when they start no bringing bull, down no nations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a basset hound? Son? <laughs> Is that a corgi? Right. Yo, I was just talking about that, bro. I was just talking to the homies about that. I was like, what's the whitest dog? And I, and I was I was like, corgi. That's the Queen Elizabeth dog. Homie was on that shit too. Dalmatian. It's gotta be the whitest dog. I, I don't like, yeah, nah. I'm I might have to rock with him. I mean Corgi is up there. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. about Dalmatian. Yeah, and Dalmatian me, is tough. Yeah, me, yeah, it's yeah, between, yeah. It's between purebred Dalmatian or them or the purebred poodles. Like the right, poodles, the big poodle. The big poodles that's got yeah, shaved with dog. and they got the furry cuff links and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the pom poms and the little right. happy, yeah, man. That's that's a pretty white dog, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I love dogs, yeah, man. I uh, wonder, I wonder how that happened. If you think about it, that's I've never really thought, and I don't know if you know because you live there, um, how that neighborhood developed in that way to where you got this basically the projects at the base level, but then one of the highest valued black neighborhoods. Literally, right in earshot of it, um, and you know, within the same block. I mean, you can, for people that yeah. don't know, you you can take a walk. You can yeah. you can leave your house to take a ten minute walk and be right in the middle of Ladera and just left the jungle. But that doesn't yeah. really happen anywhere else. You go to like the Hollywood Hills. You know, you got multi million dollar homes. You come down the hill. You're in either Hollywood or like Westwood. All the homes still super expensive. It's like yeah. that valley. Anywhere else, you in the hills, you come down, it's still expensive. Over there, how, do you have any clue? Yeah, actually. How that, how uh, that happened? Yeah, like, uh, so uh, one one thing I learned was uh, my girl's dog, man. She, she, he might be a white dog, too, but he a nigga dog. I mean, excuse my friends. He colored. He colored he, dog. He, was, he ain't like that conversation. He was like, yeah. hey, I'm going to be real with you. I kind of like poodles, though. 
So yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just watch yeah. Your mouth. You know, he like he like he don't do no tricks or nothing. He just you know he just he just cool. You know, and that's that's better than that's right. You know, anyway. So um, so I learned that in that area in Ladera that it was um that it was a lot of doctors that lived there. That it was like mm-hmm. where all the black doctors would would be, and they called it Pill Hill, right? Hmm. And that there's like there were a bunch of black doctors that lived there. And, Bill um, Hill. Yeah, yeah. Did Bill that, Cosby lived there. That, hey, you know, <laughs> Barry Gordy, one of them Barrys, uh, one of them oh, yeah? Motown foods used to live in there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, either way, though, um, so that I learned that that was the situation, and they tried to do during the time of redlining, right? Mm-hmm. From the redlining, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so during during that time. When they were kind of breaking up the neighborhoods, right? They were they were trying to they were they were building the freeway system, and they were trying to build the freeway, the ninety freeway, the marina freeway, that little yeah. bitty freeway that goes to the marina. Yeah, that yeah. was that was supposed That's to stretch. Yeah, that was supposed to to do a lot more, but uh, you know you're not. You, you, so they wanted to put that right through that black community, ah. and and uh, I learned that you know the, the black folks wasn't playing. It's like you know the chief of Inglewood Police is living there, right? The chief of the you know at that time, uh, Roseanne was his name. I know his daughter, hmm. and uh, you know certain black officials at that time because you got to remember the mayor of the city around this time is Tom Bradley, right? Okay, a black dude, right? Yeah, so. Uh, black folks at that time had a seat at the table and had a lot of influence yeah. in the city. The city at this time is mostly black and white, and um, um, so, but but so so in that area, it's lawyers, doctors, you know, uh, all types of serious professionals, mm-hmm. and they did all the necessary paperwork to shut that freeway down. That's why that freeway is only like two miles long. Right. It goes from Fox Hills to the Marina, That's right? It. That's it. And um, and uh, it was um, it was a you know once I learned that that was a proud moment for me because some black folks wasn't having it. That's yeah. one of the reasons why the property value stayed uh, as it did. Okay. You know what I mean? How it still stays up because no freeway cuts through it. Yeah, you know what I mean that freeway That's was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. There's some black folks there that wasn't having it, and uh, and so they did all the necessary things, and they do it all the time. You know, when Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson bought a development over there where there's a Ralph's and, uh, and, you know, nice grocery store. Right. When Starbucks came out, there was a TGI Friday's restaurant that people oh, used yeah, to yeah. rave they about. In that shopping that. Center. Right. Right. And uh, and uh, when they were redoing that shopping center, it was the, the, those, uh, uh, you know, smart black folks in that community. Uh-huh. Bought uh, for some simple stuff, you but you wouldn't believe what some of the simple stuff does. Like they were like, you upgrading the Ralphs and the the grocery stores in Santa Monica, upgrade ours. You know, uh-huh. saying don't leave ours behind. Yeah. You know, you doing you doing these curb appeal projects over here. You know, it's it's black city planners that live in here. You know, they like yeah. well do it with us too. Love you know it. what I'm saying? Love and it. they yeah they really fought. You know, they really fought to make sure that their neighborhood got all the same attention that the other neighborhoods were getting. You know what I mean? 
And uh, Ladera is an interesting place because of the type of people that live there. And, uh, and, and they really fought to make sure that they weren't getting left behind while they were upgrading all the other cities, all the other, you know, small communities. Right. They, you know, even with simple stuff, like once you, once you get on the Slauson, there's this hillside that used to be just kind of crumbled down cement. Some black folks got to the city and was like, redo this, make it nice. Here's the plans. You know what I'm saying? So it's interesting seeing how community actually works on that level. Right. And to this day, yeah. yeah, To this day, you know, it's still a, it's still a, uh, high home values. It's still nice. Ain't no, you know, even though you go down the street one mile to Overhill to the 60s, it's still, you know, million dollar homes here. It's still the the, the place where black folks want to live that get a beautiful view with a nice home. Right. You know what I mean? With, right. And they and they not and and they don't they don't settle for for any of it. Yeah, and, and, and that was a learning point for me, learning what you're supposed to do in a community to keep to keep the value up like that, to keep it up. It's the people, you know, it's the people that's in there. They're fighting for those little things yeah. that matter. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how much that matters. Upgrade our routes, upgrade, upgrade our grocery store too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh upgrade our elementary school too. Y'all doing y'all giving out money to, to fix the elementary schools, do ours too. You know what I mean? And I really think that that's the key to keeping that value. That's powerful, man. It's little stuff like that that I I I wasn't aware of. Yeah, me neither. But that's that's incredible to know. So that that's gonna that actually made me think of a different question that hopefully I'll remember. But I want to get back to my other question. So you now told me why the hill is that way, but the disparity is what's at the bottom of the hill. Right. So, so they fought hard for the top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, right, right. So, how did the, how did this disparity happen? How did they end up with projects at the base? So, of one of the nicest places in America. So, you got to remember though that some projects, uh, projects wasn't always associated with, uh, you know, with with hood. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Projects were just government assistance, and it was white people. It was all it was mostly white people that lived in the jungles at that time. And, uh, you know, like John Crenshaw, the guy whose name is Crenshaw, his namesake, he was supposed to be a notorious racist. And it's funny, it's ironic now, who runs the community of his namesake, what his namesake represents, right? Right. Crenshaw, you know what I mean? And and so it was all, it was like white people over there and that that area is called, uh, that's Baldwin Hills or Blair Hills. And it's all within this area, right? It's all... And and what is in the center of that area is oil fields that are owned by Halliburton. That's true, right? So on the outside, They're owned by Halliburton. South, yeah, yeah. On the outside, facing south, yeah. Uh, you ha- of that hill, it's Ladera, right? On the north side, it's Baldwin Hills, and on the east side of this little hill, in the middle of L- of the L.A. basin, uh, on the east side, uh, that would be Windsor Hills, hmm. with the east with the east viewpoint. Right. And um, so, uh, so yeah, white people used to live there. And when white flight uh, became a thing, uh, I, I think that kind of started happening after the wars, after when, when all the, the, the soldiers started returning and whatnot. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know exactly 
how white flight specifically happened. I mean, it's probably more simple than we think. You know, they just saw people moving in and they didn't want no parts of that. So they all moved to Orange County, Irvine and all that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but now they're trying to move back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, either way. Not okay. trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> either way, back. if you look at the yeah. <laughs> if you look at the history, I really think a lot of it has to do with the with the crack epidemic, you know? Yeah. Um, the jungles was it wasn't called the jungles, you know, it was called Baldwin Hills back then, Jefferson Park and all that. And then, you know, coincidentally, they killed all of our leaders oh. and Somehow we got a bunch head of, off. yeah, right. Got some Cointel, Cointel Pro, mm -hmm. and uh, coincidentally, at the same time, a bunch of Israeli and Russian weapons ended up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tech Nines and Uzis ended up, just ended up in that area in the hood, right. And then all of a sudden, AIDS is a thing, and uh, you know. And all of a sudden, they just sprinkled a little crack on it, you know? And, and, and then there you have the 80s. A long period of the 80s, like in the black community, wow. was right, was, was tangled up with those situations, with those, um, those four things. You yeah. know, and if you can get conspiratorial with it and, and go, you know, follow the, follow the path. Yeah. But it's follow my opinion. Money. Yeah, follow the money, follow right? You follow the money, you follow the legislation. You follow who writes the bills, who they're affiliated with. Absolutely. And that's why people get, you know, tangled up in conspiracy theories because if you dig deep enough, you'll you'll find some things that are that are interesting. Yeah. Either way though. I think that uh, you know, that, that all of that changed in the eighties with those epidemics, you know what I'm saying? Because then all of a sudden gangbang, you know how gangbanging started, it's, it was black folks protecting themselves from the police. Right. You know? Right. Protecting that's the neighborhood. Yeah, that's back when gangs used to, uh, where they wore jackets and vests, and they would uh, be a band and and a gangster, and they would walk old women across the street. You know right, right, like, right, right, right. Like community they were this, leaders. This, this harmony of of like Black Panthers plus your church deacons and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they a band, right. you know, and they got <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and they, and they a jazz band at the same time, you know, right, and they play uh, Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sunday night at the Blue Room, you can still yeah, catch <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You catch all the yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, man, I really think a lot of that had to do with that epidemic, how it became the way it did, and gang banging in the eighties. In the nineties was different than what it is now. Yeah. Now, like I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that they ain't out there. They just seem oh, yeah, to be yeah, a little bit more well behaved. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. They got the internet now and all that. Because I remember being a kid back then, seeing and we lived when we lived in the days. We lived on Palmyra, which is one street over from the training day uh, scene, right? Mm. When the training day, when they pulled into the jungles. And this, they pulled it. it. That wasn't the jungles. The jungles is a whole mass of stuff. That was one street that was a dead end, and that right. was and, and and but but how they depicted it, it don't look like that now. It don't always be, uh, you know, hood day. They made it yeah. look like it was hood day out there, but that's <laughs> what it looked like, bro. Right. When I was that's a kid. A that's what it looked like, bro. They'd be driving like you. I used to see that, like. Uh, uh, you know, you, you it, it's a realistic 
it was a realistic situation that would happen. Uh, if you, 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 you hanging out outside playing with your friends and, you know, you know, three cars, are all bounty hunters, or, I mean, I'm sorry, all P-Stones and all, you know, Crips would drive up. You see it, they'd be out, they'd be outside. You know what I mean? Mm. Looking the part, looking for that action. Yeah. And uh, I don't really see that anymore. Uh, like yeah. I used to, but I'm I'm proud. I'm happy about that because you know, right. growing up, you know, you I didn't gangbang. I hooped. I played basketball, and uh, okay. you would always run into those situations. You'd be sitting at the bus stop in a car with six six gangbangers would pull up and just start, you know, mad dogging you. And, right. You know, like, they might ask you what size shoe you wear. Yeah. You might be like, you try to lie. Be like, oh, we're 13. <laughs> <laughs> you, you nine years right. old. You, <laughs> right. You're like, look at that. Yeah. They'd be, a, yeah, they'd be like, that's my size. You know what I'm saying? What size we're in? My size. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it was interesting. Yeah, I really it, think it a lot of that. It's changed. It's definitely changed. It's definitely yeah, yeah. a lot. And so so getting back to to um Ladera, Ladera sounds like it was on its way. I mean, I guess not completely, but it feels like it almost feels like Greenwood. Oh, it could be considered that. Yeah. You know what I'm like it's it feels quite, like it's not as evolved. It's because it's, it's more just residential. It's residential, it's not, but it doesn't have the, the staples that you need. To, to really be self-contained. Kind of, though. All up and down Slauson, all the way to Crenshaw at that time, all Black-owned businesses. Even yeah. now. Even even if you go up towards, you're going east on Slauson, you go up this hill to yeah. Overhill, and there's a few, uh, you know, kind of uh, locally famous restaurants and, uh, uh yeah, it's like locally famous things all the way to Crenshaw. Those are all black-owned businesses. And they're still, they're still black-owned businesses right there. You know, right there, Hilltop Cafe. And, uh, you know, you'll see it in some movies, Orleans, you know, Orleans, uh, Orleans Soul Food. What's that? Orleans and York? Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll see, yeah. yeah. All that is still black-owned. So if you think about what that looked like in the 60s. Yeah. You know, 50s, I mean, the question is, did they have the... I forgot the exact places that you need, but I know you like um, a school, a grocery store. Yeah. Um, I think a hospital. Like there's post office. You know, man, post office. Fundamental. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, but it, but it sounds like even if they didn't, uh, they that area sounds like it was on its way. For sure, it, it probably was. It probably did probably really did but you know like i said it's all it's lawyers and doctors that live in it. yeah they they fought really hard to keep their values their property values you know up to par around there that's that's something i yeah. had to learn about too i didn't know you know how hard like you know just those little things that they did to keep the value you know up high because that's equity for them and oh, yeah, you know yeah and that's how people, you can't do nothing on the land without the permission of the owner, land is power. It's literally land is power. Land is power. You know what I mean. And people forget, you know, like when you own real estate, you don't just own the, the ground that you can see. You own a certain amount underneath the ground. You are, own the airspace above the home. Like that's yeah, power. Yeah, it's power. land truly is power. That's 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 why that's why I've always wanted to 
to be a property developer. Mm -hmm. They can't do anything on the land without your permission. You have have some resources involved in that land. It's a, you know, it's a good thing. And the number one reason why people are rich in America is inheritance. The number two reason is real estate. And the number one thing that they're inheriting is real estate. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's, and, and it's what's beautiful about that. You don't need a degree. You don't need this. You don't need that. All you need is, is the capital to get going. And, and, and a lot of people who, uh, who have bred now, that's how they got it, man. They bought, they bought these houses for 22000 30000 in the age, like our parents' age. Yeah. They bought their houses for like 22000 You know, the mortgage is $200 a month. <laughs> and, um, and right. now that same house is eight hundred thousand. Yeah, and they're able to take advantage of that equity. You know what I mean? And, and use it in a good way. Yeah. So yeah. the good thing about that is that it's all—it's always the same thing is happening in another city right yeah. now. You know, like probably you know we in LA, we, you know, it just seems like it's so far out of reach sometimes. But you know, your starter home is going to be eight hundred thousand. But that's not the case, you know, in Phoenix or in another fact. city. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's still that that still exists. It's just it's just ain't here. You gotta get right. it first there. Unless you can't, unless you're smart like that, you know. But you know, out. now we got this since COVID, we got this whole yeah. new departure uh from you know California residency, where the same way as we talked about you know, white people leaving the hood and they're turning into more of a a, a, a black dominated uh, area. Yeah. It's starting to turn, it's starting to be that like with just Californians in general, people moving to Texas, moving to Arizona, yeah. moving yeah. to Georgia. And so I wonder, yeah. I wonder how that's going to affect, I mean, I don't know, people will always be in California. You know, it's always going to be a sought out market. Yeah. You'd have to move too many things. It can't just be Elon Musk is now in <laughs> Texas. That ain't enough. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> that ain't yeah, enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. LA is going to be LA. Southern California is going to be what it's going to be. But I do wonder how that's going to affect the real estate market as the numbers deplete and small businesses deplete. And you know things of that. You know when the economy changes, the economy has to change. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. right, Uh, right, I wonder. I wonder will areas like uh, Ladera and some of the other areas we know will they be affected by it, or with all the growth that's happened in Inglewood, with with all the the developments and the stadium, and will, will that just keep it on an upward trajectory? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. One thing I do know, though, right, because uh, I, you know, my mother's a real estate appraiser. She mm. finds out the value of houses, and I do work for her, mm. too, right? Okay. Uh, I, uh, I do legwork for her, but uh, I've been doing that for like 10, 15 years, so I learned a few things. So you, one of the you, things you got I, a fan on? Yeah, let me turn it off. So. I mean, I'm, I, I can hear it, but then I'm, I don't know if it's just because you've had the fan on like for a hundred hours straight, but looking at uh those pictures behind you, they look like they've been filling the fan. They just oh yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they stuck like that, ain't they? They just turned yeah, over yeah. like 
They just already the fan ain't even on. They still sideways like that. Look at that. Yeah, man, that's the stuff from my website, man. I just, <laughs> it's been on like that. It's hot, it's hot, bro. It's hot in downtown, bro. Oh man, I'm okay. in downtown now, and I'm in this uh, you know industrial building. Yeah, it's a it's an industrial. It's like a commercial building, but mm-hmm. we can live here too. You know, just live yeah. live work kind of a thing. It's cool right. though, man. It's a nice place. I got the front set up as my office. I built a little room back there for my bed, and then I got my little factory set up for a. Uh, for the candles, a little 900 square foot, square foot little space, you know. Right. Let's um, talk about that. Let's, let's 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 transition and talk about. Yeah, yeah. So so is I was going to say first... this real quick though. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. That I know that 85 percent or so of the properties being purchased right mm-hmm. now in LA are purchased by uh, investors and. The vast majority of those investors are all Chinese. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's who's purchasing. So they're driving wow. the market. They're driving the prices. Yeah, yeah. Because they're literally purchasing it uh, home by home. Something like 85% of all properties sold in the last like, four or five years are all purchased by Chinese oh. investors. Yeah, it's wild, that's, man. Now, that's power. <laughs> scary. Yeah, yeah, it's scary, bro. <laughs> That's power. Oh boy. Watch yeah, out, so LA. Right. Yeah. Watch out and I know LA. some and I know some Chinese dudes like who are young dudes. Like like there's a there's a there's like an influx of of like like rich Chinese businessmen are sending their kids out here to, yeah. to, to, to do things. So I, I hang out around a little music recording studios and stuff. And uh I met a kid there named Alan. He drove a Jaguar. He was a young dude, he was Chinese. He, you know, he dressed good, and he was telling me about that. He was like, "Yeah, man, our, our fathers are moving us out here to like expand their things out here." You know, um, but you know, America is a big place, man. You know, what I mean? it we'll, is. We'll see how I mean, that works out. They're not gonna be everywhere, right? For anybody that wants to know why I said watch out, LA is not specifically the Chinese. It's just any one group. I mean, you know, there's yeah. a law against monopolies that go over fifty percent. You know, there's yeah, a reason yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. So it's like any yeah. single group that you know, moves in on an area like that and starts to mm-hmm. own, you know, um, the majority stake of the city's real estate. That's, mm-hmm. you know, they get a seat at the table. A lot of influence. Yeah. Like the Koreans, like Koreans do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Korean, like if you go to Koreatown in LA, it's vastly the largest, uh, uh, ethnic township and the most mm-hmm. beautiful, probably in the nation line. It's on Wilshire Boulevard lined mm-hmm. with high rises, art deco. You know, and, and, and now there's a Wilshire. people don't get yeah, like, oh, Wilshire. Yeah. yeah, man. And uh, and I, I did a lot of research into that, you know, because I was uh, studying heavily about reparations. So mm-hmm. I looked at the reparation packages of others and I learned oh, about the wow. Indo-Chinese Act. And I was like, and I was always like, why do the Koreans have such a nice township? How come we don't have that yet? But, uh, but, but I looked into it heavily and it has a lot to do with their reparation package. You know what wow. I mean? Hold a on, lot, hold know. on. You about to teach us something, brother. Yeah, there man. was a reparations yeah. package for them? From, from the Korean War, yeah. So so the Vietnamese, what? yeah, let, let me learn you. Let me learn you please, real quick, right? Please. So I'm sitting down. So if you go to so if you go to K-Town, it's it's nice. It's really and, nice. And K-Town's kind of where you where a lot of people come when they first get to LA, they live there because the rent is cheap, huh. it's cheaper. That's and it's, That's crazy. Yeah. That. That's where I live. It, because the rent is cheaper, yep. and there's and it's not much violence, and then they got nice restaurants and bars, and you can you know 
it's like a good starter place if you move to LA. Yep. Most people usually start out in K Town. Yeah, the red and, line uh, comes through there. Yeah, the, the train station's the right under there. Communities you can get yep. to Staples Center, you can get Hollywood through the train, All, community yeah, no college tra- over no there. traffic. Yeah, yeah, everything. It's a it's a good place to start. Yeah. And you know, it'll be a little cheaper for you. But uh, but I used to wonder and when I lived there. And I'd, and I'd be like, how come we don't have nothing like this? Hmm. You know, we've been here. We we did this. <laughs> right. So I started digging. And, uh, you know, um, you know, people talk about the reparation idea. And a lot of black folks, they seem to kind of take that a little bit personal. Like they say to themselves, like, I don't need no handout from, you know, this or that or this or that. But if you study the history of it a little bit, you'll see that it's, it's an age old practice. Right. It's an age old. Pra- it is not a new thing and it is not uh, dedicated to black folks. Like there's a reason why there's a reason why most nail salons are owned by Vietnamese people. There's a reason why the hair business is ran by Koreans. It's part mm. of the reparations deal, right? So there's a couple acts. When the Koreans first got over here, they kind of were like the Mexicans. They hold down smaller jobs. And this was just in the early 80s, late 70s. They held down the smaller jobs, the servant jobs, the washer jobs. But you go there now, you're like, this is Koreatown. And they all live in Hancock Park, which is where, like, the mayor, the mayor of L.A.'s house will be in Hancock Park. You'd see Conan O'Brien would live in a Hancock Park or, or, uh, or you know, it's a nice, giant Victorian homes right smack in the middle of the city right. and um, right. uh, around gates and stuff. So I was curious because, you know... Uh, I didn't want to just have an opinion about the whole reparations argument. I wanted to really understand it. So I ended up looking at the reparation packages of the Jews and I ended up looking at, because the Jews still get reparations? Those people don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and from the, from the world war two, but from the Korean war, the Koreans get a reparations. And then there's another act from Vietnam called the Indo China act of whatever year. And Indo, spell it. I N D O dash. China, Indochina, it's on my phone, but uh, the Indochina Act of something, something. But here's, here's the thing, remember the Korean War was between the Japanese and the Koreans, and America had a hand involved with that also. But the Japanese pay a big percentage of the Korean reparations, and, uh, and America plays a part in it too, right? Huh. And, uh, and LA is the most populated uh, Korean, you know, has the most Koreans outside of South Korea, right? And so, um, so from my studies, right, I learned that basically uh, they went after those reparations. Even to this day, that I read an article written by Japanese uh, journalists that were kind of basically saying, like, please stop it already with the reparation asking, because they just got another few hundred million from the Comfort Girls who used to go to the front lines uh, of the Korean War, I remember right? That. And they, they're, they're going for every everything. And the Japanese are like, stop it already. We got it. We hooked you up, right? But it, it wasn't, it's not just about money. They take that, they take that reparation package. There's a certain amount of money allotted. And, and it, it basically came out to around $8 billion over the, over the years since the, since the seven. I'm sorry. I said that completely wrong. It, at the time, it was eight hundred million, okay. which has the financial equivalency oh, okay, okay. of eight billion from to, that in time. today's money. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, uh, so they got that, but then 
if you drive down Wilshire, you'll see certain things that'll say like uh, Korean Cultural Center. It'll be like a large building, right? So that's kind of where they go. That's like their meeting place. Plus through the churches. There's a lot of Korean churches out here, Christian churches, but they all commune through that, uh, through that avenue. So, uh, so not only did they get money, but they got legislation passed to help them. So it kind of goes like this. If you're a young Korean person over there, you pay. And I, and you know, this is just what I dug into. I I don't know if I'm a hundred percent right, but you know, when I study, I I try to find the source. source. And that's all I was asking you because I was going to, Pull it up and put it on the screen for us. Just yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so, so that, you know, it costs money, I believe, to, to come over here. Then once they get over here, there's places like the the cultural center will like uh, work with them to give them employment uh, uh, with Korean people, right? And then uh, they got to spend a certain amount of time there uh, doing their thing, and then uh, once they uh, uh, once they complete, uh, you know, whatever steps are there, uh, they were able to get, then they're able to get loans, business loans, no interest, you know, uh, uh, flexible ways of paying it back for a hundred thousand, 150,000. That's why you see, you know, so many, uh, Korean business owners in neighborhoods all over the country. And they're always in the hair business. It's like, you can get this loan, no interest, right, with uh, flexible timing to pay it back without credit, you know, without collateral. Um, but it needs to be in these fields. You know what I'm saying? Uh, these are the fields that drive our businesses in America. And one is the hair business, right? Yeah. One is the, you know, getting bundles and, and all of that type of stuff. That's the reason why you see all these beauty supply stores, they're owned by Koreans in LA. That's the reason why you go into the hood and all the stores are all the markets are owned by Koreans. You know what I mean? There it's like if you, you gotta you can get rich through this route hmm. in America. You know what I mean? That's and crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's that part of their crazy. reparations deal, right? Yeah. So I mean I beautiful like, for them. Yeah, beautiful. Like, for like, them. like just the way that you even broke that down, the way that they approached it like you know every time they we set it up for themselves right every time we talked about reparations it's been like just distribution of, of money yeah they like no 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 this this ain't gonna be money that we only have for a year or two we're gonna turn this into an investment for the long haul yeah yeah and, and so yeah. the way that you had they broke that down you got to come to the center. You got to do this, blah, 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 blah. Like you said, whatever. You got to get registered with them. You got to work for these people. Then they have their own. They were able to establish Korean banks like Hamni Bank and Open Bank. Mm. Who's going to give them those loans? You know what I'm saying? Interest free. And then know? their loans. So yeah, then the loans. money ends up coming back. So you you kind of end up refilling the tank over yeah, and over, yeah, yeah. over and over. And they're like, and and these wow. are the fields. These are the these are the lanes that we kind of control. Yeah, we'll give you this money. You yeah. know, no interest, flexible payback, no collateral, yeah. no credit. But you must go into one of these fields, and you're able to operate in these areas. That's why you know you go to L.A. and you're in the hood, and they got the little shopping centers with five or six stores. Those are pretty much all Korean owned in the hood. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's weird. Genius. The Koreans and the blacks have an have an interesting relationship. As you can see from the L.A. riots from back in the day, of course, and uh, it's it's a it's a wild situation. So, 
uh, one of the things that I was uh, I, I looked at that because I wanted to see how they did it. How can yeah. we do that? And this might sound a little controversial, fam, but everybody. One of the reasons why I think it ha it doesn't happen for us is because they keep on trying to bring up the slavery argument, and they have a foolproof rebuttal for slavery. You know what I mean? They're like, "Well, how how can we document it? You know, how do we know who to give money to, right?" And and, and so I was thinking about all the other things that all the other things that gave us trouble over the years, like redlining or like Greenwich, Oklahoma. People don't know. Greenwich, Oklahoma scenario, or Greenwood was was a uh, that happened all the time. That's just the right. one that we always study right. because it became considered history in 1996. But it happened it three happened or four times that year. It dude, was low key a movement that dude, happened in Detroit. I heard, I heard of one that is uh is currently a lake. Oh, that happened all the time. It was it's a lake. That happens now. all like, the time. It's a lake that, that bro, there's so many of those. They're gonna redevelop this area. So we're gonna rechannel the, the, the lake uh over here. You know what I'm saying? That's dark. There's there's a movie. Really oh, remember that movie, that Cohen Brothers movie, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yes. At, at, yes. The, at the end, the, the lake came. That's a, that was a common thing for many of black neighborhoods. So we got stuff like that, right? We got things that happened like when blacks came back from the war and they got the GI bill, but the banks wouldn't loan them any property or they wouldn't really give them the, the opportunity to, to utilize the education or, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Right. We got those type of situations. We got, there are basically what I'm saying is there are so many documented, easily verifiable other crimes against uh, um, the black population that we can use. We can use that. And we can literally slavery. take slavery off the table and they would no longer have an argument for it. And they so would no longer say, oh, well, we can't document it because this, right. this, and that, and you're mixed with this, and, and right. you might might not even have been from this from this yeah. descendant. You might have been this. That will it, that it seems that they keep they keep it on the table because that, that's like it's like they're manipulating the narrative. They want to keep pushing you to think about the slavery, but there's hundreds of things that are all worse than the Korean War, you know, and, and it's, it's all genius, worse. it's genius for them because it's like exactly it, 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 it it's like controlled it, opposition, it, right? It's like it pulls you in, like don't forget about slavery, and then yeah. you get all riled up about slavery, and then so yeah. you bring up slavery, and then they're like, Oh, well, that wasn't, and then but but the emotions of slavery, the moment. If if you told that to somebody without breaking it all down, the first thing people are saying is like, "No, no, they can't forget about slavery." No, yeah, slavery was the yeah. worst thing that happened in America. We can't allow them to sweep it under the rug. Like you know, there's so right. there's still so much connection emotionally to it that we yeah. don't we feel like to not bring it up in the conversation is to disrespect it. Right. And what you're right. saying is like, no, no, honor it silently. Like understand when to use it. Yeah, right, like yeah. put it to the side, use these other things, get the reparations, and then stand at the podium and say, This is for all the enslaved. Yeah, there's so that. much. We, we oh you goodness. could take you could take all the redlining and 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 stuff simple stuff like Huntington, no, not Huntington Beach, Hermosa Beach, right? Mm -hmm. That that that's a huge beach along the coast, right? It yeah. goes, you know, Venice Beach, um, Marina, Dockwaller Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, and it goes all the way down. 
Uh, Doc Waller, all the way to Redondo, was black-owned land, but the city took it via eminent domain. You know what I mean? They just took it. That's that's a factor that they can put on the table. Again, all the freeways and the redlining, how they separated the communities and was like, we're not going to lend over here. This is where black folks live. We're not going to do that. There's all of that type of stuff. And we can go on. The 105, the most racist freeway in America. (laughs) You drive down the 105, fam, and when you get to the hood, there's like three exits. All the way to LAX, right? You got LAX. When you get close to LAX, right? There's right. like an exit every quarter mile. Right. There's Nash, Sepulveda, <laughs> this street, that street, this street, that street, El Segundo. But right when you get, but if you're driving, but, but before that, there's two exits, fam. I All never, hood, right? I never noticed that. That's so true. So, yeah, right. So there's like, there's like Prairie and there's Crenshaw, Crenshaw. and that's it. Then it's right. like the 110. Right. And, but if you're coming Vermont. from, if you're coming from the 110, uh, and you're going west on the 105. Yeah. Do you have Vermont? Yeah, you got Vermont. You got Vermont, but it's so, like so you know, it's, that's you right two. next to the 110. You might right, as well. Right. Like, it's right there. It's the next block is the 110. Yo, so three so exits true. for like five miles. But then once you get past the 405, it's like five exit per mile. You and people that don't live in L.A. may not understand that because they hear – Three exits and five <laughs> miles is like, what's the big deal? Some places, There's, yeah, the, the next exit, exit is five miles. Mile. It's not a big, but in LA, we're talking about in LA within a. This five miles is probably within a three mile radius from LAX, yeah. one of yeah, the biggest yeah, yeah. airports. Period. Yeah. Now, if and that's that's down, why they built it. That's right, why they built that freeway so that people can come from Orange County and from other places and not drive through the hood through to the get hood. to LAX. That is you know? crazy. And then it's if very, you that's about, why it's happening. If you think about the, like you said, you continue down to 105, there's tons of exits after you pass the hood, even when you cross the 405 on the 405 going north and south. Yeah. But you're, but, but also you write about that because now I'm thinking when you get off and you go 405, <laughs> it's really only one. In the hood, it's like one exit yeah, and then one exit. It's a racist crazy. freeway, fam. <laughs> that freeway that's is a big. It's a racist. <laughs> it's the most racist freeway right? in America. Yeah. In America, bro. <laughs> it's the one hundred and five. It's hilarious, bro. But it, it's it's like that, bro. And like wow. like for example, right? I just bought I just bought a, a towel from my buddy who lives in Newport Beach, mm-hmm. and we were driving down the one hundred and ten, and he called the freeway something else. He was like, "Yeah, the the Glen Golden Freeway," and I was like. <laughs> what are you talking about, fam? He's like, well, you don't know it's called that? I was like, nope. Who knows that's called that? Right. He was like, yeah, this freeway was built in this, like this. He was talking about the um the, the toll lane. He was like, yeah, this is called the something golden toll lane. It was built so that all the students from Newport Beach and Corona Del Mar and Irvine who go to USC, you know, would, didn't have to drive through the hood or deal with the traffic. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. like they, they know that. They know. We, we, we don't know that. We're just like, toll lane, no traffic, I'm all. You know what I'm saying? Peasants wow. as you drive by. Yeah, and, and, and that's really, so it's that's... funny when you hear some of that stuff, man. Like, like it's crazy. But really quick, back to the reparation thing. Yes, please, please. If, be on it. if it was done in a smart way, mm-hmm. the same thing could happen. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. There's so much ammunition aside from slavery. We don't even yeah. need slavery in the argument. 
The Jews get a reparation because of a, uh, well, it was, they say, you know, uh, well, how many, they say six, like six million uh, people, they say, were killed in the Holocaust. When honestly, if you look at an encyclopedia from back then, it says something about three million Jews in all of Europe. I don't know who's counting. Somebody could have wrote something. Six million, six million families still get. And if I was them, I'd do it too. If I could do it for Absolutely. black folks, I'd be like, 10 billion of us, <laughs> run it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, let's get it, right? right. And uh, and so, so, so right. you said that. it wasn't documented. Was six, you said yeah. it's not documented. So don't, right? don't come with me on the numbers. The, right. That was for the period of just uh, of what was happening in World War II. And uh, so they, they still get checks to this day from that. Wow. And they did and the that was same only like, thing. What, five year span. Six year span, yeah. They they wow. they give it, yeah. They and so so they're still getting checks, and they have the same thing set up through the synagogue. The cultural situation, they give loans to each other, no interest, no collateral, no credit. Your father is Johnny Goldstein, you get a loan, build this business, pay us back. You know what I'm saying? What are and we doing? Same thing with people. the Koreans, fam. Koreans, they got that, then now they're like, okay, let's establish some banks. Harmony Bank. Open, open is their new bank, but there's like seven or eight banks. Same thing with the Japanese, fam. Japanese too. When you go to uh, Little Tokyo, they have Japanese banks. And I dated a girl that was Japanese. She grew up in in Santa Monica, but it's a real pretty Japanese girl. She, uh, you know, I remember taking her to the bank, and she was talking about how like the teller was like, ah, whatever, you're Japanese, you'll you'll give it back to us. You know what I mean? Like they treat each other like that. They have their own code of ethics that. that they go through. I don't understand that. Those those yeah. words that you just said, I can't even. Yeah, form. that's like, what she I'm said. In the bank, and they said, "Don't worry about it. You'll give it back to." Her. I don't even understand. She said that to me, and she was and she was talking about how racist it is for us, and like she was, you know, what? she was like she liked mothers, so she was hyper, yeah, pro, yeah. hyper uh, progressive. Yeah, yeah, aware. trying to show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, though, but 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 studying the the Korean reparation package, all we have to do is exactly what they do because they're all business owners before they even learn the language. They all own the properties. Like if you go, you know, there's six stores in this little shopping centers yeah. by USC and all the hoods and Watts, whatever. You can go to other states. I lived in Nashville for a while. You'd see Young's clothing store where they're selling pro clubs, Dickies, and you know the, the dude behind the uh, behind the counter got a you know uh, uh, a beanie to the side. Yeah, he got yeah. on Dickies. He's popping up. You know, like oh, like what's happening, bro? You uh, yeah, seventy five. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, seventy five yeah. ninety nine. But they own all those businesses wow. uh, because if the way is paved for them, they used that reparations package to set up their future generations to be able to come here and not only survive, but thrive. thrive. And uh, yeah, you gotta find, like, you gotta look at their package and, and they're an exact model of what we should do. And all I'm saying is that they got all of that just from the Korean war, just from that one situation in the Korean war. And the Japanese got that reparation package just because oh, uh, uh, the Japanese got that reparation package, just because uh, during the world during World War II, they uh, you know they took all the Japanese men and leaders of the community who were a potential threat and put them in internment concentration camps. Yeah. But they're still getting checks from that. 
So, so it's an age-old practice. We're the only ones that haven't taken those steps in the right way. Like we haven't collectively got behind each other because we, you know, I think our own generational insecurity makes us feel as if we we got our hands out, but that's not what they do. I almost think they're looking at us like, the black folks better go get their money. I don't know what they tripping on. We got our checks coming. You know, cousin Larry Fitzgerald Steen, he's got his check, you yeah. know, and and the Korean Johnny Moon and and young, they've got their checks coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. How come they don't go get their money? That's how yeah. I see it. That's how I feel like they see us. Like they better go get their money. They better stop playing because it's out there. We didn't we didn't have to deal with half of what they deal with, and we still getting getting money. So, so I think the solution to all of that is to take slavery off the table for that argument's sake, mm -hmm. just for that argument, and take then let's take hold of the doc the documented things that are plentiful, that are just within reach, and if we apply that to the argument, uh, we can do what they did. We can get it, and then we can set up banks, and we can give non collateral loans, and we can set up pathways for all of us to to uh to do a little bit better man you know you ain't got to be rich but if you got a way to, to to own a piece of the of the country you know i think that's a smart thing for us to do you know you got to start a bit like you're trying to start a business you need you need startup cap you know it's hard to get seed money you know what i mean yeah, for real i mean the the million dollar question that i'm trying to figure out and i guess somewhere inside we feel like we might know it though there's no real confirmation of it is like like, why us? You know what I mean? Like, like at the end of the day, why us? Why can why can other why has that not happened for us? They know everybody knows that who has suffered the worst on this soil. So, yes, maybe right. the argument hasn't been um, streamlined as strong as it could be. Maybe there's area there's gray areas that don't have documentation maybe yeah but at the same time like like you're saying the money that's going out to other groups that suffered for far less time for for not even a, a whole generation sometimes it, it's not well six I, I, years I, right but I'll, I'll give them a generation and there's arguments to be made though yeah, you can say that they were they've been persecuted over and over exactly, again generation exactly. after generation but that's not the, what they were uh being paid for <laughs> like right. you know what i mean if they're right. being paid for documentable things right. you know what i mean and so then the question is like why does it seem like no matter no matter who's been done wrong no matter who's been um put down no matter who's been set aside when it's time to come back around, when it's time to apologize, when it's time to make it right, when it's time to, you know, do the stand up thing. When it comes to black people, there's always like a, uh, but not that. Asterisk. Yeah, not yeah, not them. Because they, 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 right. they have to admit to themselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they didn't do it perfect. I'm pretty sure because, come on, America don't like to give up money. So I'm pretty sure that's, when, that's the other when they came when they came with it, they probably had a way that they could have been like, yeah, but but they yeah, just yeah. all right, cool. All right. That's the other main factor. The main factor also, right? So like so this is just my argument, right? One, we gotta remove the slavery off the table because there's yeah. all types of verifiable documented stuff that we can use in a court of law. This is just of argument's sake. 
right, in a court right, of law. Right. I get it. This so is I'm our arguing. case, right? Yep. The other thing is we can't go to America asking them. We gotta. We would have to take it outside of America to a place that has to hold America accountable. You know what I'm saying? You can't ask that's, me for the money. I'm gonna be it. like, I'm gonna be like, oh, oh, what you gonna do if I don't give it to you? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if we were to take it to the world courts, right? To the world courts uh, who have authority over just this one country, we're asking them to please, please, sir, can I just, can you please have more porridge? <laughs> sir, please, can, I, can, can you give me some of the monies? And they like, no, colored. Go over there, play some basketball. Uh, but do you think? Call but, it gray. But see, this we should take like it above them. This feels like the conversation that the Moors have when they're right. talking about how we don't have countryhood, though. So the the the, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Koreans, the Jewish, yeah. like they can go back to their country, right. and their country can stand up for them. Well, as just black, we, right, we right. I, I was just saying this. We're living in like this gray area of we ain't quite that. We ain't yeah, quite yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. who stands up for us in the world court? That's a good point. Yeah, man. I don't know. You know, we would have to do like we would, have, you know, they gonna stand up for some money. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's kind of what ends up happening, right? Like, 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 let's say, for example, you're a, you know, you're, you're, you want a representative in, uh, in office. They go, let's, they go to that representative and they're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, contribute uh, $3 million to your campaign, but, uh, this contribution can only be accepted by you if you do these things. We want, you know, we want A, B, and C, right? right. right. And and if that person says, "All right, I'll campaign for A, B, and C," then here's three million dollars to your, uh, you know, to, to your campaign, or right, or that that type of thing. So it's like, uh, I, I wonder if that would work in, in that scenario. We'd have to offer them something, you know. And and, and let's face it, man, you know, even though. Black people are only, you know, 13 or so percent of the country. So they say uh, we still spent seven hundred billion dollars last year in this country, which hmm. makes us that's like larger than the GDP of Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Like 12 percent of like if we really got smart <laughs> and like got together and just all moved to one state, you know, let's say we moved to one of the states that one cares about, like South Dakota. And we took that over and all black folks moved there. <laughs> you know, this is would never happen, right? But it'd be right. it's nice to think of sometimes. If we all right. moved there and we took our seven hundred billion, yeah, right. I said, which is larger than most countries' GDPs in the world. Easily. And we and we brought everything together there and we and the athletes and the doctors and the and the entrepreneurs and the salesmen and the executives that they all operated there and we circulated our dollar there like it did in green. Uh, in Greenwood, where the dollar circulated 36 times, right? The Jewish community circulates this dollar like nine times right now. The Korean community is the same thing, like seven or eight times before it reaches out in, uh, out of the hood. But Greenwich, that dollar circulated 36 times before it left. You know what I'm saying? And if we just did it's something like, like that, we would, low key be, we would low-key be like the 12th richest and mo country in the world. If, so if we just... Maybe there's yeah, a together. problem. Maybe that there's is a problem because they spend a lot show... of money making sure we stay divided. You know, because yeah, they know we're easily our, united. We've shown our hand. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. last thing you do, the last thing you do in poker is show your hand. You got to keep a game <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah. And so yeah, they're looking man. like, hold on, y'all got power, influence, money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, when he's probably. in the United, when you really think about it, it sounds strange, but you know, I know me personally, I see another black dude, I'll give him a head nod. If I see him, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Like, if I see another dude in a, and that right there alone, the other, other, other races don't really do that, you know, uh, yeah. uh, with each other, with each other, you know what I'm saying? And so we're easily united in a, in a, in a as long as there's a common cause, but they yeah. spend a lot of money making sure that that doesn't happen because humans we're programmable, bro. It's just we are. We just so sad. You man. know, we just are. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I've, always, I've always been upset. Like, damn, why did they program us to be ill? Like, why did they program us to all be, you know, uh, geniuses and or just you know, just yeah. good at certain things? You know what I mean? Like, I was looking at the Japanese way that the kids learn math, and I was like, with the have you seen that? Uh-uh. They with they with the, the way that Japanese kids. Learn math is something crazy. It'll be like 142. I don't have it all the way down times 42, right? It'll look like right 142 times 42. And then they'll have, uh, or like, you know, or 42 times 42. They'll, they'll make like one, two, three, four lines and two lines. And then, then they'll do, you know, one, two, three, four lines, and then two lines. All right, so it kind of looks like a crisscross, right? Oh, and yeah. they'll just count it. the dots, right? They'll just count these dots. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, they'll just count these dots like that, and then they'll break it up into a couple sections. And like, and whatever, whatever the dots end up is the answer. You know, I don't really know what it is. I don't, I'm not trying to do it, but I look at that stuff. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Can you see the screen? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. They do that kind of thing. Wow. Like, why did why, why, why did they teach us that? Why do they? This is crazy. I've, I've it's crazy. never seen that. Yeah. We would have all been engineers, too. We'd also all been computer programmers. <laughs> <laughs> they taught me to carry the seven. Carry the five and all that. <laughs> That's crazy. So okay, so they got twelve times thirty-two. They got one blue line, two green line. Okay, so this the blue line represents the one. The two green lines represent the two. The three orange lines represent the three. Then the two. <laughs> this is wild. Then the two what, pinkish lines, red lines, represent the two. And then you said they count the dots, so they count basically they count the, the connections. Yeah, they count the connections. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. That's only fifteen. Can't be fifteen, right? Uh, which one are you, you talking about? The one right there? This one right here. Yeah. So, so, so I'm, they count I'm the connections, something. but they separate it into two parts. So they do something that kind of looks like a parentheses. Reverse, oh, like right? this one? Yes, kind of like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So they would count. So, so like, uh, go, go back. Uh, yeah, there it is. So, this one where it says twelve times fifteen equals one eighty, right? Mm-hmm. So, those. I'm sorry, I'm pointing at it. So those two. So the, the first square on the left is a one, mm-hmm. right? And then 
the, the middle rectangle, mm-hmm. they count all the dots that connect inside of the middle rectangle where all the lines connect. And then that's a number, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be that would be eight. In the middle rectangle, lines intersect. There, there would be eight connection points, you know? And then the one on the right, there would be, you know, I think that's eight, but there would be another connection. They just count the dots. They, yeah, they cross them up and they, and they put them into these sections and then they just count the line connections and that's the answer. This is you know? wild. I mean, I, I honestly, unless I learned it, I honestly can't say that, you know, it's, it's better because, you know, at a certain there's, point. There's a, better, there's a better one right there. Yeah, here you go, all the way to the left where it says two, four, three, six kind of a thing. This one? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but, let, me, let me zoom in a little bit. Uh, shoot, right 12 times 32. 2436, that's all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the math problem is, but that's what I'm saying is the way that they do it. They, they, they draw the lines and then they count the connection dots and then like that's the answer. You know what I mean? So right. it would be like, uh, I think the better one, I can't point to it, can I? You can just, but but that's how they did it. You can kind of see that there. There's one with some rectangles in it. That's a better way to do it. And then there's also a way to like eliminate some of the numbers. There it is. Uh, the one where it says with green lines, twenty-two times twenty-three. Kind of well, yeah, yeah. That that so, one. So it's twenty-two yeah, times yeah. twenty-two. So you got basically. So red, so those two, two parentheses are to section it off. Got so it. the so the ones so the one on the left, mm-hmm. there's four connections, so the number right. would be four, right. and then the one in the middle, there's eight connections, so eight the middle number would be eight, right. and then the one on the right, there's four connections, so the mid, so the last number would be four, so the answer would be four eighty four. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Okay, 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 okay. And for anybody that's listening to the audio version of the podcast, so I uh, yeah, went to Google to and typed in Japanese method of teaching math. Uh, you type that in and you'll kind of get a feel for what it what it is. It almost looks like a like a off uh, offsided like tic tac toe board almost like there you you have two sets of parallel lines that are perpendicular to two other sets of parallel lines. And so, well, for this particular one, because the number is 22 times 22. So therefore you got a set of two lines, a set of two lines, set of two lines, set of two lines. Whereas if it were 25, there'd be two lines on one side and then five lines on the other side. And I know it's completely hard. Nobody's going to be able to Follow it just from hearing it. So let me let oh, me try. Let me try. Let me try. I want to look at it. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. So if the, so like if the if the math is you know uh, uh, forty four times forty four, they would uh, they would draw in the shape of a diamond. They draw four lines going diagonal, and then they draw then they then they make then they make a space, and then they draw another four lines going the exact same way. Right, and then the second number, what did I say? Forty-two times twenty-two. 
I think so. Or whatever. Too many numbers. So I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. But then, but then they draw another. They do the same thing. If the if let's say if the next number is twenty two, then they draw two lines, uh, uh, in a crisscross fashion, like they're making the shape of a diamond. So it'd be four lines, and then uh, you know, if it's forty two times forty two, they draw four lines going um, east to west. And then they make a space and they draw two lines. And then they do the exact same thing the opposite way. Four lines, you know, going north to south and then two lines the other way. And then they just count the connection, the connecting dots. And if they count the connecting dots in a proper order, they get the solution to their answer. But, I, I, you know, basically I saw how they did that and how easy it was. And I always wondered, like, well, why did we learn it in this standardized method yeah you know yeah. uh so it, it it always bothered me that they that our education system you know and i'm uh, pretty sure did after, that. after you've done this enough you probably can do it in your head you can probably visualize it nice yeah because because like know? just looking at this one this 12 times 13 is like now in your head and once you know like well there's you know the first two numbers are one you know, on each side of the, the, the equation. So therefore I know on the left side, it's just going to be one line and one line crossing. So that's going to end up being one, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure yeah, they, they kind of have it in their head and it's like, well, and then it's two and a three. So that's going to cross two and three. So that's going to end up being five. And then this ends with, with three. So then that's going to, I'm pretty sure they can like just throw it out there because this method looks incredibly complicated. It looks like one of those things that's so simple it's complicated. Like, yeah. like once you get it though, once you taught, get it, you see it. You're like, you're like, oh my goodness, this exactly. was this, this was way easier it's, it's than, than like what I learned. Your your the, brain has been taught that this is hard, and so when you see it simplified, you're like, nah, it can't be simple. So then that looks hard because it's like, no, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, yeah. The, the point of it all, though, is that uh, like, well, well, what I was getting at is that you know, we really look at it, you know, but. Uh, Black people are very easily united and that they they worked extremely hard to keep us separated because they know that we got a good case and they know that uh, if we, you know, if we if we got together, it'd be a problem for them. It'd be, you know, 12 percent of the country represents a huge part of the GDP. We spent 700, 700 billion dollars last year within our economy. And that and I think that, you know, they they forcefully do that. And it's our fault for coming to it. You know, it's our hey, fault for not teaching but, our, our ourselves, you know, better, you know, right. in my opinion, you know, we can all do better. But all I was really getting at was that we have a good case uh, and, and, we, and it kind of taught us that our that our cases that our case for reparation is like we kind of have it in our brains. Like, uh, you know, it's too complicated because of the slavery thing. And we can't leave slavery off the table because that was a, a an atrocity that that people need to atone for. But. If we did take it off the table, I think it would give us a better case because then they'd be forced to deal with documentable, uh, doc documented uh, issues. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it would, and it would, uh, and if we did it the way the Koreans did it, and the Vietnamese did it, and, and if you just look at their packages and and read about like the Indo-Chinese, it's all it's on my device. I can't really pull it up, but if they just read about the Indo. Chinese something act and and um, how what they did with their funding it, 
it's the reason why a lot of them today are successful in this country. And we can do the same thing, you know. I mean, so it was just an interesting shout out argument. to us that that we do have so many in this country that still are successful. We like still eating, yo, yeah, seven hundred billion, and 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 we ain't getting nothing yet. Yeah, yeah, seven yeah, hundred billion, we ain't and, and they know that the reparations. So it's like they see the they see the potential. They know that on. they know that it, that that it's like come you know, on, there, it's ain't, ain't nobody arguing that black people have suffered the worst, at least on this soil. It's between yeah, us yeah. and American Indians. Let's call it that way. Let's let's at least give yeah. a shout out to the American. I mean, Indians. you know, but but even they might got be. something. Yeah, even even they have something. They they have mm -hmm. nothing near where they what they should have. Right, they, they were greatly taken advantage of, but they have something. We that that's that that you know got it out the mud. That's kind of our thing. Like yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. our thing. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. You know, Bro, we went from shoe shining to, to having you know some of the most expensive shoes with Jays and bathing apes. And come on, man, come on, hey, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to the melanator, you know, hey, that's how we do, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, bro. That's you, you taught me something. You taught me something. That's, that's fun, man. I'm gonna send you some stuff afterwards. I'm gonna send you the notes that I wrote down on it. It's just gonna be a little document. If you just read through it, it'll at least guide you to places where you can yeah, find man. stuff on yeah. your own, and you'll be interested in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I think you will. You seem to have an inquiring mind, smart guy. You know, I'm a big fan of history myself. Yeah. You know, I me love too, uh, reading. Like, there's a really good book called The People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. If anybody's a history buff, read that book. It's a book from the right history is written by the victor, but this is a book written from the perspective of the uh, non-victor. You know, so he talks about like he talks about the New Deal for Roosevelt, and from the perspective of the black people, or yeah. he talks about Columbus's uh, interaction, but he's writing it from the perspective of the French friars, like the French guys who were who were here. Uh, and he's taking their writings about what's happening and stuff. Wow. It's a great book about what's the name of the history, book? Uh, the People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. It's a, it's a, or it might be Zimmerman. I think it's just Howard Zinn. Z i n n. Oh, yeah, I see it. Z i n n. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, great book, man. For anybody that's a history book, because you know it tells the secondary perspective, which is you know, which is which a great is one. Man. Yeah, it's which huge. Is huge. Yeah, I mean, it's one hear, hearing the story from the victor. <laughs> I mean, you know, it sounds yeah. like a great story, but when you hear from right, the right. side, yeah, hey, yeah, you get you get a yeah. full picture. Okay, yeah, so, so we navigate well, from you being, you know, the history buff, uh, which is an incredible thing. And and thank you on behalf of any black person uh, that heard this and feels empowered in a way of okay. Maybe with my voice and what I do, I can kind of help move along this narrative because that's really, really important to to look at. Yeah, you know, to try try to find the issues in the problem. And it sounds like you have found it, and you know, yeah, other people have found it. And if we come together, it's like, oh yeah, we take a little bit of that and this and add this, and then all of a sudden we got this airtight deal with it. <laughs> you know, yeah, what I, mean? I, I think, I think you framed it right, though. I think you framed it right when you were saying it's an emotional thing. It's this emotional connection that we feel, rightly so. You know course, what I mean? It's yeah. this emotional connection that we feel, and like, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's interesting, man. It's a, uh, it's interesting, but you know, if we just kind of remove them from the table, remove that from the table, I think we get a lot further faster. 
then we could then we can get in and start yeah. talking, talking I mean, about the other stuff, you know? Right, because clearly other people, like you said, that's what they they've got it. Yeah, so we can yeah. definitely get there. And then once we get it, and they have to give us, you know, several states, we just name all the streets uh ancestors' <laughs> names, just every <laughs> street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, man. And that's how we'll do it. That's how we show them honor. All right, so we navigate. Yeah. To now the history of Chris as a business owner. Oh yeah, man, guys. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, I have a candle company. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, uh, uh, it's called CentelCandles.com, and I have a small store in a mall in Orange County. Uh, Brea Mall is the is the name of the mall, okay. and. Um, and yeah, man, I, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur kind of a guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly uh, working on something. I just, uh, and um, yeah, man, I just, I just, uh, I just bought a kiosk in a mall, nice. you know, which to me is, is depending on the product is a little bit smarter because I was thinking about thresholds, people and thresholds, you know what I mean? Like, like you can't, you can't get me through the door of a, you know, knickknack store or just something i'm not That's interested true. in you can't That's get me true. to walk through that threshold at all That's but if true. you're right there in the middle of it all then like you know that makes things uh, uh a little bit it makes it a little bit easier to engage the customer i never mm-hmm. thought about it from that angle that that yeah, was super so. super smart because the threshold is like a commitment you know what it like is you walking in yeah it's like buy. now people looking like you got to at least you got to at least look around because, you know, yeah. we all have that sensibility where you don't want to just walk in, walk straight out. So it's like now you got to act yeah. like you looking at stuff for a little bit. So yeah, it's, definitely yeah, more yeah. Of a, it's like a fair, like like when yeah. you're at a fair or a carnival, you just walk, walk. Because the moment you go, OK, well, what do you have to do? Like That's a commitment. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then the guy there is like, step right up, uh, come over here and throw the ball at the trick bottles or whatever <laughs> you know what I mean? but uh so, so we're really doing that smart. man really really smart and the uh and these candles that i make man they're not just uh re- they're 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 100 vegetable wax they're soy hmm. uh vegetable wax uh candles they burn clean they burn uh there's no uh, soot there's no carcinogens there's no allergen there's no phyllites there's no sulfates or detergents you know what i mean there's no loop there's no metals it burns clean it burns twice as long as a regular candle it's hmm. a, a 10 ounce candle is and, and this is in comparison to what's called paraffin wax which is a petroleum based wax which which had its time uh, hmm. in the past but we don't necessarily have to use that anymore but it uh, so it burns it burns twice as long and it's a softer wax i actually have one burning right here this one's almost done other benefit about it is that it burns all the way down you know like this is uh this is at the end but it burned every single drop of wax and in the beginning it looks like this you know what i mean in the beginning it looks like that so when you when you burn it it burns every single drop of wax so when you're done with it you just kind of have an empty glass and the how long the did wax, that take? Oh, it, it, this it, it might have took about forty hours. I didn't. Oh. I, I would just burn it when I would come home. You know, yeah. it, 
Another benefit of the product is that it has a stronger scent throw. It, it, literally, you don't have to light the candle. You walk, you just, the whole area will smell great without you even lighting it, you wow. know? And that's the benefit of using the wax. So anyway, the, then the last thing about it is that it's also a skin moisturizer. You know, I don't know if you can see this, right? But when it burns, it creates a, um, a pool of wax like this. And the wax is only 90 degrees. No, no, I can't see. You gotta hold it up. Oh, okay. So here, yeah, the wax is only ninety degrees. Oh wow! Yeah, and you can use it as a moisturizer. You can get massage with it. You know, you can massage your lady. You know, you can wear it as a perfume. You smell nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's a product that I that I make. I hand make this in. you know, it's marketed mostly to women between, you know, the ages of about you know, 25 and 45. They seem to be the ones that would that spend on themselves a little bit for some relaxation and luxury. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when they're a little younger, they don't really, you know, maybe they haven't had a day. Maybe they haven't had a lot of hard days where they really want right. to <laughs> invest in their relaxation and stuff right. like that. Right, but, right. but, man, it's a, it's a good product, man. And, and uh, I've done so much so many compliments on it and so many uh, you know good testimonies about it that i decided to turn it into a brand by it's all in itself and bet on myself a little bit and things been going good so far man i opened the store in the brea mall and, I, and uh got a couple employees that can sit there and sell all day you Dude, know? That is, congrats to you let's thank you clap man. it up for the young man clap it up for him I respect that. So, so then, what? Um, so let's let's go into like the what made you want to create a better candle? What what candle got knocked over, burned your leg, and you were like, what if they had a candle that if it bore, if it not got knocked over, I could have yeah, just rubbed yeah. it in? <laughs> well, I'm not really the only uh, person that makes this kind of product, right? So, so. Uh, real quick, I used to work for this lady. I used to sell construction, and the rips in that construction business of fire and water restoration were pretty huge, but you, they're far and few in between. So yeah. when I first started doing it, I needed a way to take care of myself. And so I asked my boss, I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm learning this business. This is great, but I need, I still need to pay my bills. And he was like, well, look, man, I, I, you know, I think you're a good guy. Why don't you work? with my mother she makes the best candle product in the world and i was like yeah whatever 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 give me a job yeah but i started working for her and i learned um i learned uh, you know her technique and um and i saw her make eighty thousand a month you know i saw her with two clients make eighty thousand a month she had a client in japan that bought 700 units a month and she had a client in hawaii that bought 200 candles a month and I made the products, and it only took me about a week to make these products. And I and I would and you know it's her technique. Uh, I, I I would I would sit in the little factory and I'd make and package and ship and process and and uh, and do everything. And I saw her make all that bread, and she sold it wholesale to them. 
this this is what the kicker. She sold it to them wholesale for fifty five dollars each candle, and they sold it for a hundred and twenty five dollars <laughs> each candle. And people bought it. Margin boy, right? That's a so, margin. Hold on, but how much did, did you know? How much it cost her to make it at the time? Eight dollars, nine dollars wow. to make it. The most expensive part Those was probably the glass. Crazy. Yeah, I saw her eat, bro. She was eating. You know, she owned a house that I was working in, which was a little factory. And then she lived up the street in another house. And then her son lived in the other end of the cul-de-sac. And they were eating off of these candles, bro. And and at the time, like I said, I saw the shirt. And, and they, they were all, and they were amazing. They smelled great. They have a, they're stronger. Like I said, you just, you just sit in the room. The house smells great for a month. You know, it's a better product for candles. Now, like I said, I'm not the only guy that makes this type of product. There's a company called Diptyque. And Diptyque would be considered top of the line. They sell a, this is a 10 ounce candle. They sell a seven ounce candle for $80, $80 is how much the candles cost. Wow. And then there's another company called Joe Malone. And they sell a six ounce candle for about $75 as well. Uh, uh, and, you know, you know, I'm not Joe Malone or Diptyque, but I make a product that's on par with them. Most people say mine is better. It lasts mm -hmm. longer. It smells stronger. And theirs you don't really use as a moisturizer because they have palm oil in it, which oh. is kind of a presentation thing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it, it's a similar product, but different. But uh, I sell mine online. Uh, online, I sell them for $28.99, you know? <laughs> and uh, and in, the, in, the, in the store, I sell them for $25. And, but here's the kicker. Uh, right now, um, every candle that you buy, uh, a percentage of, of the price, a percentage of the buy, uh, well, basically it comes out like $3 of every candle that you buy. We, it goes to the building of a school in La Pointe, Haiti, specifically a oh. school called La Pointe, La Pointe Academy, La Pointe Bur Boys and Girls Academy. And, wow. um, yeah, man. So every single time you purchase one, you know, and, and you can ask for more, three to five dollars will go not into some Haitian fund, not into like a fund that may or may not get distributed to right, right, the right. right places. It might some of it worry. might be in the pockets. Right. Some of it might go into the pockets of the dude and then others, uh, you know, and then some of it might reach someplace in Haiti. But uh, every, you know, $3 of every single candle that's purchased goes specifically to this school in La Pointe, Katie, called La Pointe Boys and Girls Academy. That's good. And, uh, like yeah, we, yeah, we do this through a company uh, called the Academic Hearts Foundation. Uh -huh. and, um, and, and it's a new foundation. You know, it's, uh, it's a good friend of mine, another brother, brother whose family, whose basically his uh, grandmother owned the school in Haiti and you know she's passed hmm. and now his mother kind of owns it but kind of doesn't really know what to do with it and my brother Mike Cadet who's a uh, who's maybe somebody you might want to talk to one day he's an interesting dude he's a mortgage broker uh, but you know he's he's cool and yeah. um, and so you know we're working together with this um, to you know try to try to build the school you know, it Love needs it. <laughs> it needs a little bit of work. So, 
Love it. Love and, it. You know, and then it benefits me as a salesman to to be, you know, I'm not doing it all out of a golden heart. You know what I mean? I'm I'm gonna profit from it by um giving people um a motivation to purchase. But right. I don't necessarily think that um to do something good, to do something altruistic, you have to uh you know, I don't think you have to I think you can do something good and still and still earn from it. I don't think that the two yeah, absolutely are like then you, you can know, keep doing something good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have you to keep doing something good. There's this idea that like in order to be altruistic, it has to, you know, you have to you have to lose a little bit. Where like, what do they say? Like, you know, no good deed goes unpunished kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just don't think that has to be, fam. Like, you know, <laughs> we're still building the school. We're still helping the kids. Right. Can know? I build day school and my house? And my okay? Girl, what's Can wrong I... with that? Like, that's, uh, you know, either way, I though. Think that uh, be yeah, either way, though, uh, you know, uh, that's what we're doing with the product. And so yeah. far, things have been pretty good, man. We've been raising a good amount of money for them pretty that's quickly. Awesome. And um, that's incredible, yeah, man. man. Like, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. honest. I got a confession, bro. I'm sitting here, and as you were telling me, the profit margins, and they sell it for this amount. They, the first thing that popped in my head was lines, and I was trying to figure out the, the Japanese <laughs> yeah, yeah. way to figure <laughs> yeah. out the profit. I'm like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 55, that's five <laughs> lines, five, and then what? <laughs> yeah, man. I was yeah. trying, bro. I was trying. But I saw that lady, man, and, uh, you know, it was funny, man. It's, it's you know sometimes the universe would like to thrust you into a situation and then Absolutely. thrust you right out, you it's know. So and that's kind of how it was for me. In that situation, they she it kind of thrust me right in. I learned, you know, all this stuff, and then it thrusted me right out. And um, I added a few improvements to it, just really just to make the scent the scent smell a bit more and uh, and uh, and things of that nature, man. But but yeah, man, I've been doing it for a long time, off and on. I would be at flea markets. I'd be like at the Melrose Trading Post and putting in uh, French Costa Mesa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and really learning the craft and learning the art of sales, right. sales with it, you know. And and is and, it and, a business that you end up learning? Do the people craft the product? Like when you're going out and you're talking to people, their feedback does that make you go oh. back to the lab and you're like, oh, okay. Let me make it a little bigger. Let me make it smell a little more. Let me change the the color. Like does 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 that come into play? Um, or is it like I got what I got? Yeah, whoever, I kind of got a like, thing. You know, what whoever I mean? loves yeah, it, yeah, come yeah. and get it. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe with with scents, you know, like yeah. uh, like I like I make some like uh, I make about fifty different scents, anywhere from like woods like woodsy earthy scents to like white tea and ginger to stuff for dudes you know you walk into the house you don't you might not want it to smell like flowers you want it to smell like sandalwood and yeah. cedarwood and, uh, and you know the ladies come by you got you know the house the crib smell nice she's gonna say something about it you know what i mean oh, yeah. and yeah. or you you give the product to somebody and if they really like it every time they smell it they think about you you know what i mean I'm not gonna lie bro it, it's, it has worked for me over these years, you know, if I mm. gift somebody this product, they're, they're always appreciative of it. And um, so, yeah, man, it's just been, you know, I like to stay creative. I feel like staying, I feel like being creative is kind of what keeps you cool. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like once we get to that point in life where we're just kind of dredging along in a mundane, uh, circular, just uh, uh, obligation, like we, like when everything is duty and obligation, yeah, that's when I feel like you start to get a little old. And I feel like if you just stay creative, no matter what it is you're doing, True. that's what kind of keeps you cool. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. not just oh, cool yeah. mentally, that's what keeps you cool to other people. I think creativity does that you yeah. know what i'm saying i, I, I think that's life. like its function and like well, even what you're doing with this cast like that's what that's what kind of i feel, I feel like I, that's just a personal uh, ex, uh you know experiment that i'm that i'm working on to, to, yeah. to try to see if that's if that's the truth and i feel like that that's what keeps you cool is yeah. staying creative whether it's music whether it's woodworking whether it's some type of artisan uh, thing or you know whatever it is and um yeah man yeah create, uh, creativity i've always i've always said when you tap into your creativity you are sharing close space with the creator and i feel like right. with that you you being in that essence of creation you have like no choice but to feel invigorated and to right. feel you know what i mean like it 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 elapses time. It elapses age. All of a, you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. a timeless moment when you're in creation. You, you're in the creative yeah, space. Man. So it's, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly. Yeah, what you're man. Saying. I feel like it does that. Like it keeps you young and it keeps you you're vibrant. It keeps you cool. It keeps you in touch with things. So yeah. staying creative is kind of important to me. You know, when it, uh, when it comes down to that that type of stuff. But um. And so one yeah, last, man. one last question I want I had about because you specifically said the candles were made with vegetable oil. Yeah, and we the live vegetable in the world vegetable wax. Yeah, yeah, vegetable yeah, yeah. wax. So how and what is vegetable wax? I've never even <laughs> yeah, heard yeah, of yeah. This. It's uh, it's hydrogenated soybeans. So they take the uh, soybeans. You did say yeah, that take soy. Yeah. Yeah, and then they hydrogenate it, uh, which is kind of like a bleaching process or whatever. Uh, so it's not for consumption. Right. <laughs> There's not much new, like in there, right? But oh, it's but it still has the vitamins oh. of the yeah, yeah. It still has the vitamins <laughs> of the of the plant in there. So uh, so yeah, so we we're trying to make it um, uh, you know sustainable. And uh, right now, one of the goals is to like I've been talking with a few grocery brokers and and general merchandise distributors. And and the primary goal is to get it on the shelves of you know uh, Target or or higher up, you know, a grocery broker that just doesn't deal with groceries. They're just kind of an agent for a product, so they might have a relationship with Fred Siegel, Barney's, Bloomingdale's, Lehman Marcus, huh. and, or they might have a relationship with Kroger's, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Yeah. And yeah. they'll take your product if they like it, and they'll place it in there, and they'll probably make a small percentage off of every course. single one that sells, which is fine. Right, you know, right. As long as they know, by you're all right. means, yeah. yeah. By all means, just give me my ticket. I ain't worried about right. the next man's pockets. You know, <laughs> but like your girl is way, sell them for fifty five dollars, and yeah, then man, one twenty five. Oh, she, made she was the thing for eating, 80. bro. She was That's eating, and it only took me a week to make that for her. So That's when I saw crazy. how she was able to own her time and eat like that, make that type of money, I was like, all right, well, that's that's for me. I, I miss, you know what, I miss the bus. I miss yeah. the bus. I actually had a neighbor. I was around, 
I can't remember what age, 27, something like 25. I was living in North Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, no, sorry, sorry. I was living in Van Nuys. I just moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. Van Nuys. And two doors down from me, there was a girl, and she she went to the college nearby, and she was making candles. At the time, I was installing 50, 60-inch screen TVs. So to yeah. me, I'm like, <laughs> like, like I'm making money. You know, I'm trying I would have people, said the same thing, bro, until I'm, I'm I saw charging it. people $500 a pop. You yeah. selling a candle for $12? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like you yeah. all here to catch me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's but, always funny, too, with guys with this. But now, with this. Yeah. The profit margins are, are pretty good. You know, you're, you're, you're making something, and um, and, your, and your target market, at least for me, is women. Uh, yeah. I just get to talk to talk to pretty women all day, basically. <laughs> so right. doing, but like mad, that's why right? I tell the guys, I was like, you know, that construction guy, we're not looking for him. He's not looking for us. Find find the people that are looking for this product. You know, yeah, out yeah. there somewhere, there's somebody walking around in that mall, and they're saying to themselves, like, oh, if I come across a good candle product, I might buy that. And I tell the staff, I'm like, that's what that's what you're looking for. So yeah. ask around. Ask people if they like this product, and when they say yes, tell them its merits, and um, you know. And, and if they experience it, they'll yeah. If they experience it, they'll they'll like it. Yeah. You know, hundred percent of the time, I haven't had any complaints. Whoever buys one buys another one. You know, and I try to make it a you know, it's a good product, man. I, I've worked hard on it. I've gotten really good at it, and um, I think that um, over the next year or so. Uh, I'll be able to take it to the bigger markets and, and make something, you know, make one of my dreams come true, which is basically independence, you know, financial yeah. independence. It's know, coming, so. bro. It's coming. Well, I see yeah, you. Man. I see you over <laughs> here with with Sintel Candle Company. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's coming. Soon. So if you if you arrive here, just just I just wanted people to know if it still looks like this, you're in the right place. Yeah, yeah. You're in the right place. Are, are your socials you up? Can, can they connect over here? Yeah, they can connect on the socials, and you can go up a little bit on the on the on the screen. And uh, you know what I'm having to is a month is a, a month to month program for mm -hmm. those who who like this type of product. You just enter in your email in that box, and when you enter in the email in the box, uh, uh, you enter in your email in that box. It's going to send you. A, uh, I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> it's gonna send you when you enter in the email. It's gonna uh, send you an email that tells you about our membership program, uh, which is basically you pay twenty five dollars a month, and okay. uh, you can send the product. I'll send it directly to you. You know, and nice. you don't even have to look at it. So it's for those people who are really enthusiastic about it. And uh, yeah, man, that's what we're doing here. So simplecameras.com is it. Hey man, come in, come in. You all right? I love it, man. I love it. I'm gonna have to upgrade. You know, I I got this, but you know this 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 ain't from vegetable wax. I don't know what they made this with. <laughs> I don't know what they made this with. It wasn't vegetable wax. I was. I mean, yeah. it says essential oils. It says what well, says soy wax blend poured in Los yeah, Angeles. That's what got me when it said poured in Los Angeles. I was like, oh, it's local. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. It's lo I'm supporting local, but Same now I'm thing. local and better. Yeah, man, I appreciate that, man. No, no doubt, no doubt, man. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you for being on the show, my guy. 
It has been a great time. We had an incredible conversation. I told everybody in the beginning, we're going to go over way more than I expect. And we did exactly that. Not one time in preparation for this episode did I think we were going to touch Korean reparations. Yeah, we forgot all about the uh, <laughs> forgot all about the product, man. But that's beautiful because they get to know the owner of the product. And a lot of time people get so locked in and and want to partner with a, a owner like yourself, who's very educated, who's doing research, who's who has a passion about their people to the point where they so locked in with you that the product is secondary, but they want to invest in the product to invest into you. So I wanted people to be able to see into you so they could invest into Chris, the movement, because the candle, no pun intended, will burn away. But Chris is going to keep it rocking. Yeah, continuously. Man. Yeah, and, man. Uh, That's just the beginning, man. We, we, we hoping to, to use this as a catalyst to do real things, like the things that we talked about earlier. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will, uh, I will end this by telling you how I don't, you heard me in the beginning. I'm going to say pot is good. You say all the time. And then I'll say all the time. And you say pod is, pod good. is good. You got me. I got you. All right. Pod is good. All the time. And all the time. Pod is good. There it is. My man, Chris. Thomas, check him out. Sentel Candles. That's C-E-N-T-E-L-L Candles.com. Check it out. Buy a candle. Be impressed. Flirt with the ladies. Do all of that. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to catch you on the next one. I'm going to have you back, bro. We Thank you, talk man. I about appreciate this. it. I had a good time, man. That was great. All right, my God. Yeah, man. Good seeing you. Out to everybody else, this has been episode 18 with my man Chris Thomas, pot is good. Pot is good. Peace out. <laughs>